Welcome to WDTNN's podcast, Workforce Development Technology News Network. Your host, Dustin Swain, Burns Phillips, and Dr. Clay Phillips. Hey, welcome back, listeners. And today's podcast is titled, Culture is Everything. And when we look at digital transformation within the broad spectrum of businesses, government, any space you want, uh, culture is absolute key. And uh, here today, I'm going to have... Burns Phillips and Dr. Clay Phillips, along with myself, to talk a little bit about that culture change. What do we mean by culture change? And uh, Burns, if you could just kind of kick us off and tell us what you think culture change means. Well, culture change in today's world, in the 21st century that we're in, and the impact that digital technology is having on every aspect of business and uh, where we work, uh, the life we live, where we play, digital uh, transformation and culture go hand in hand in a corporate situation or even in government. Because if you're not pursuing that path toward digital transformation and you're in the business world, you will ultimately be pushed out by your competitors that do. And the important, one of the most important ingredients to getting to a point where you are actually achieving digital transformation. And it's not something that, it's not really a destination. It's something that continues on and on and on because of how technology changes. If you do not get the culture in your organization right, and that means you have to have an organization that will embrace the concept of a digital transformation and everything that goes with it. And that generally means embracing, of course, technology, but also embracing collective intelligence and collective experience and pushing decision-making away from the top throughout the organization. And it means uh, communicating with your, your employees, especially those who deal with directly with customers, communicating to them about what the goal is of in the, in the vision and the mission of the organization. And it has to be one that is beyond just the financial aspect of the business. It has to be uh, a message that goes out to those people who deal with the customers that we're about customer service. And the, that is part of the culture. They will, those individuals who deal with the customers every day will only do that if the culture is such that it has removed fear from what they do and it has empowered them to actually make decisions with individual customers to help satisfy them at whatever touch point they're they're engaging the customer. So if you don't have that, if you don't have that aspect of culture, you're never going to achieve this transformation. It doesn't make any difference how much technology you get in. You have to have buy-in from the bottom all the way to the top, but it has to start from the top. It has to be pushed down from the top. That's what I see digital uh, transformation requiring in terms of, in terms of culture. That's interesting. I, you know, to me, I think maybe as even listeners out there, maybe after hearing you say that is what, I mean, if, does the culture come first? Does the digital transformation, I mean, digital transformation is the overall makeover really, but then the culture piece of it, you know, do you have to get that right first or do you get the tool then get the culture piece or, you know, is it the leadership comes first? Maybe, I mean, how, how do you see that working? Well, I think that you can't import culture. I think you have to take what's there and modify it. Mm -hmm. And that comes from the top. You can't 
hire new people that bring culture with them. You can't import it in, in some in, a, in some other way. It has to be where the workforce at the organization is looked at as the most valuable source to the organization, most valuable aspect and and uh, of the company. And they have to be the ones that are brought in, that are empowered, that are trained, that are communicated with, on the vision and the goal of the organization that is adopting digital transformation and, uh, and embracing uh, different types of digital tools. So you have to, it's almost a simultaneous task. You have to get the tools. But even before you do, if you're an organization, you'd be smart to talk to those people who deal with your customers and try to find out from them exactly what they run into every day. Because too often we have middle management who thinks they know the right answer. They think that's, that they know what's going on. Yeah. But they're not having direct contact with the customer. They really don't. So adopting technology and trying to develop a, a culture and environment that is conducive to accomplishing that is really almost uh, two things that occur almost simultaneously. Yeah. From my perspective. Yeah. And I'd have to agree with that. I I think it's that, you know, you can't teach the tool or teach the culture to change in whatever direction they need to change in. If you don't have the tool to kind of show the way, and then you got to have leadership buy-in from the get go too. And, you know, all those things kind of continuously improve and change as those things migrate or, or flow. But, um, you know, you, you brought up training and uh, as an aspect of that culture that, you know, you can't import new culture, really. You've you got to adopt or adapt and change the, the, the culture that's there. And, and I know, Clay, you've had a, a tremendous amount of uh, experience in this area with training uh, organizations of all sizes, from large to small, uh, throughout this uh, venture that, you know, where they're trying to address their culture and, you know, really try to get, you know, the tools needed for them to make that change. And, and what, what could you offer some insights is, you know, what are some of the top things you're called in to do? Well, the majority of the time when we talk about culture, when I'm called in and to consult on an organization's culture, <clears throat> it's because the leadership within the organization is not happy with the culture that they currently have. If, if they have a culture that they're happy with, then they're going to brag about it. And sometimes that happens, <clears throat> but more times than not, um, it's going to be a situation where the, the culture is either undesirable or even detrimental to the sustainability of the organization. So my approach to that is, and what I would tell people is to, is just one, stop talking about culture in, in, in circles. <clears throat> it gets dizzying and, you know, we talk about changing culture and we identify, you know, that we need to improve our culture, that it's hurting our business, it's killing our business, whatever it may be, is is the first step is, is quit talking around it, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, put a plan down to address this. And that's usually my first step is when um, I'm dealing with an organization is to... Uh, not spend any more time than we have to on what leadership believes the problem or problems to be with the culture, rather to begin talking about and identifying what the leadership wants their culture to be. 
And that goes back to what you said and what Burns just said. And that's the philosophy from where uh, or where I come from is that if I know what leadership wants in an organization, then we can build that and we can create that from what we have within that organization and that being the people, the frontline employees all the way to the C-suite rather than uh, focusing purely on what's wrong. Uh, and, you know, if we right. talk about what's wrong long enough, we're not going to get anything done except to talk about what's wrong. Right? Rehash. Yeah, so in culture, is, it's, a, it's simple and um, not complicated to understand or to turn around for that matter. But the first step is to begin to identify what leadership wants that organization's culture to look like and start there. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think uh, Burns brought up another good point about, you know, how the, all three of those aspects work together. And, and you really do kind of have to have that tool. You have to have that tool to, you know, A, engage your customers, right? Because you're not a business without customers. Let's just, you know, be frank. And if you're not listening to what they want out of your company, what they want out of your products, what they want and expect out of, you know, their experience with your company, then leadership's going to just kind of be shooting from the hip on what they think the culture should be or what direction their company should go in. And, you know, oftentimes you get um, new leaders in new roles or new leaders in existing roles. And I think it's uh, one of those things where, you know, they, they have some good ideas, they have some fresh ideas because they're bringing a new perspective. But was that new leader ever a customer? Have they ever experienced what the people whom they serve are experiencing. And I think it's critical in today's, you know, fast paced, technologically changing space in all industries, you have to be able to look at the customer and say, okay, let's group out some of these areas where we need to address. And it's not just saying customer satisfaction is low. There's a many things that go into customer satisfaction you have to break it down even further. And I think once leadership adopts some sort of data, you know, repository for themselves that they can easily take in themselves and put back out to the front lines, that, that move is much easier. And, uh, Burns, I just thought that was a good point that you made that, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's really, there is no chicken and egg thing here. It's, it's all three at once, really. Yeah, that's right. And, and when an organization implements uh, some digital tool and and one of the reasons that you're going to use digital tools is to get to understand the journey of your customer through your organization all you have to tell you what that journey has been and where problems might exist before you have a tool that actually a digital tool that can actually collect data and tell you is input from your employees and, and even the employees on the front line in Sometimes they really don't hear a customer. They're trying their best to serve the customer. Maybe they don't really hear the customer. Or, mm. And so you have to have a tool that, that tracks the journey. And once that begins to happen, and it's telling you what the journey of the customer is and what the interaction with that customer is from your employees, then you start making iterative changes to the way you serve your customer. You have to start from some point. And that point is to have the tools that you need to actually give you some sort of a uh, feedback loop, if you will, of information. 
And once that starts, then you you will gather the information you need to actually change the way you serve your customers, to improve the way you serve your customers. And of course, that that starts from the top, as we said earlier. That starts with communicating throughout the organization what the intent and goal is of transformation. Yeah, you know, and I, I, to follow up on that, I, you see oftentimes where there's communication problems that are happening within companies. And it's in large part due to just that poor communication, right? I mean, it, they're not communicating from the top. They're not communicating from the front lines. Nobody's getting direction behind the, the mission and vision of the company and how that's Correct. being driven, right? And, yep. um, you know, I think that's such a critical aspect that in order to get the culture right, you've got to have that communication there. And that goes both ways. It's not just from the top down, but it comes back from who, what are they experiencing on the front lines? What are they seeing? You know, you, you could develop the best plan in the world uh, to deliver a new product that's needed, but there's always room for opportunity to change, to be better. And that's where your customer's voice will tell you those little opportunities. And I think that's just a critically overlooked area sometimes. And, you know, and that's, that's that kind of a space where if you don't address that, you will be left behind because that's what your competitor is going to, is going to zero in on. That's right. And that, and that is the only way that you can serve customers today in this world where technology is so available to the, to the individual on the street that they expect a high level of service, fast service and personal service. And you can't do that without some of the technology, you know, the technological tools that are out there today. You can't do that in the old way. You will fall behind. And you also have to make sure that you communicate. If you're in business, you communicate to the employees who deal with your customers. Uh, you know, I, I really hate hearing people say, well, you can't make everybody happy. Well, perhaps not. But if you're in business, you should certainly try to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And people on the front lines need to know that that is the philosophy of the organization. Perhaps we can, but we're going to try to make everybody happy. And we're going to give you the tools and then we're going to empower you to where you can make that person happy without having to rely on anybody else. That does two things. That makes the employee feel important, realize that they're important because they have some power and authority within the parameters of what they're supposed to do. And it helps provide faster service, even to that that customer who's not happy. But it helps provide faster service to that individual so that when you do satisfy them, and because of this social media we have, that individual is going to talk about the fact that you made them happy. And even if you didn't make a lot of money on that particular transaction with that person, you'll make it up with the people that come because they talk well about the organization and the experience that they had. Okay. So Clay, uh, in this space, you've got culture that's needing to change, right? Leadership comes to you and says, Hey, we're hearing from, uh, our customers. And by the way, this, this cut, let's just say this scenario, this company, they're, they're, they're using email, they're using phones, okay? That's how they're communicating with their, their people and their customers. But say they come to you and say, hey, you know, we want to change our culture. What's the first thing you're going to do? 
the 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 adage I like to use in uh, you guys know me <clears throat> that uh, I like to you know draw comparisons and analogies from other things in life that we're more familiar with. And the way I see addressing uh, cultural issues uh, within an organization, uh, at one, it, the, the, the main ingredient is that uh, human behavior has to change, okay? So I see this whole project of <clears throat> modifying a, an organization's culture, creating a new culture, just like remodeling a house, <clears throat> or say it's a, an older house that you want to renovate. And there's two things you need to know before you even start that project. And the first thing is with that existing house, you have to inspect it and you have to know what you're dealing with, what you have to work with. What condition is this house in? What are the, uh, uh, what are the load bearing walls? You know, in other words, what are the, what are the stronger parts and the, the champions of this house that we're gonna remodel? <clears throat> also, excuse me, what are some of the, or the, the primary weaknesses within that house that we're going to renovate uh does it have a bad roof uh is there the hvac unit have to be replaced this is no different than when we uh, assess an organization's current culture so that's the first thing we didn't we need to know is what are we dealing with now not just the bad not just the problems but uh but the good things as well because there's always some good good elements of every culture uh, regardless of how bad a shape they, they might be in or leadership thinks they're in. The second thing we have to identify is what I mentioned a moment ago is what the leadership wants that new culture to look like. Okay. Mm -hmm. So same thing with remodeling or renovating a house. This is what we have to work with. Now, what do you want the new one to look like? Then we can decide once we know what we're working with, we, we might need to go to codes. We might have to pull all the electrical wiring, all the plumbing out, bring it up to code. It might have lead pipes. We have to replace with copper uh, pipes. Same thing with wires. You know, all that stuff happens, it, but it, before it can be removed and replaced or mitigated, it has to be identified. We're not just going to go in and start ripping things out, in other words, right? Yeah. Uh, so along the way, and we find these areas that we might need to upgrade or improve, we also find that, you know, we, we've got some uh, some tried and true uh, parts about this house that we're going to renovate that that we want to keep, not just for nostalgic reasons, but because they're still serving their purpose today. Uh, but they might just need, you know, uh, a, a little cleanup and a little modernization. That's all. Uh, so once we once we know that and then we've got a good plan for what we want this new place, this new house, this new home to look like, how many rooms, what are we gonna have on the floor, we're we gonna have tile, hardwood, uh, we're gonna add on to it, what are we gonna do? Then we can begin. An organization's culture and changing and creating a new culture within an organization is no different. Uh, it would be uh, absolutely irresponsible for uh, an organization to simply say, okay, well, we're gonna bring in a team and we're gonna change our culture starting tomorrow and uh, not, you know, having the, the, the first thought about educating the uh, any, say if it's an outside organization or even internal employees like an HR department, if they're not fully aware of what ground zero looks like, mm -hmm. if there even is a foundation to build on, then 
then moving forward and, and trying to build a, a new culture on on something they're not even aware of is is very irresponsible and it's going to be completely fruitless okay so that's what that's what i recommend that's the the starting point when i go into organizations is to say let me assess what you have right now yes i want to know what you think i want to know what you feel i want to know what the other key people in this organization feel and and uh, and how they see the current culture but i also want to talk to some of your customers i want to say i want to find out what the people outside of your organization are saying about you i want to know what your external reputation is as well as your internal reputation and that goes to what burn says you know it, it matters what everybody thinks about you yeah it's your culture right yep. it doesn't matter what you think it is or what it ought to be the only place we can start with what the 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 brutal potentially ugly truth is so what is your internal reputation and what is your external reputation once we have those we can say okay what of these matches what you want it to be and let's keep those mm -hmm. other than that we're going to we're going to build and we're going to create the rest of it from the ground up let me let me and, add, let me yeah. well, let me ask you something real quick you know um you've you've helped many people do this you you've assessed many different cultures i'm sure what what is would you say is the average of whatever the organization thinks they have is exactly what they have oh i, I would say you know perception is is everything mm -hmm. and and you know and I, I don't mean this to sound cliche but it is people's reality which is what the problem is right right is yeah. the perception is very seldom accurate when it comes to an organization's culture um, and particularly when the higher up you get into the organization mm -hmm. and the reason i say that is because i'm an entrepreneur i've been an entrepreneur burns you are too you have mm -hmm. and, and dustin you are as well and you know what it's like to create something mm -hmm. that you know it's yours it's your baby as we like to say right and nobody's going to love your baby like you do nobody's going to love your company and your product and your service like you do but we tend to lose sight of that and and just assume that if somebody's going to work with me they're going to have the same passion about what we do why we do it and how we do it and who we do it for as I do. And mm -hmm. unless we intentionally set out to inform our employees from the top all the way to the front line, especially the front line, about our passion for what we do, why we do it, how we do it, and who we do it for, then how in God's green earth would they get that message? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if they don't get that message, how can they operate from that message? Right. Then it just becomes, you know, the 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 the, the whole turmoil of not being heard and not being understood. And how many times do you hear people say, you know, I just, I, I had to quit working there because I know I had some really great ideas and nobody ever gave me a chance, well, you know, to, to let you know what they are. Uh, but that's, to answer your question, I yeah. would say it's it's under, well, you know, say that the biggest single digit. They say yeah. the biggest deception is that the people who are at the top and the people that are in management positions, um, they're, they, they're self-deceived, to your point. They think the organization is one thing. They think the health of the organization is one thing when it's actually something completely different because they are uh, biased. 
and clearly, just to your point, you would be. It's your it's your baby, but you can't go into trying to uh, transform your organization on what your beliefs are, what you what you think the organization is. You have to get it from your employees and the people that you serve. To to your earlier point, you're exactly right. Well, you know, I asked that question on, on purpose because you know we we see these studies out here that that show the companies that are are you know, reluctant to, to start a digital transformation or they're a uh, little hesitant or they're slow out of the gates or whatever it is. Right. And, and, and the number one thing you hear is fear. Fear is there because they don't want to know maybe the realities of what is actually existing out there because they're afraid of, well, then what am I going to do to fix that? You know, cause I, I can find it out, but then, you know, what's the solution. But the other part of that too is, is, you know, how often, should that kind of checkup happen? I mean, you know, it's just like going into a doctor, right? You either are the person who goes and gets a regular physical every year, or you get that devastating diagnosis that, you know, you, because you haven't been going regularly and, you know, all of a sudden you've got all these issues, you know, a lot, a lot of similarities between companies who don't do a regular health checkup on their culture, right? But the culture is also driven by what do your customers think about you? Right. And, you know, I mean, for somebody who doesn't have the tool that tells them on a real time basis, how often do you think that should occur? Right. And I think that's that's to the point exactly is that if if I want to stay healthy Mm -hmm. and I don't want to, you know, have to worry about any any type of health issue, whether it's a a common cold or God forbid something as bad as cancer or, you know, diabetes, something like that, then I have a responsibility one to realize what my competencies are Mm -hmm. and what my competencies are not. I am not a medical doctor. I know very little uh, about disease and, and health issues like that to that extent. So, it then becomes my responsibility to learn about it and then to also locate individuals that are experts in those fields, right? So if I am suspicious that I might be diabetic, then I might need to go see not just my doctor, but get a referral to an endocrinologist, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, if, if I have problems with my vision, it's what I always say uh, when I was really heavy in my mediation practice, you know, if you if you have a dispute that you want to settle between yourself and another person and you want help doing it, are you going to go see a dentist? (laughs) Are you going to go see a diesel mechanic? No, you're going to see a mediator. Right. And this is, this is no different. And, and it, this is not an indictment on organizations leaders at all. The C-suite, the, the senior uh, leadership, the mid-level managers, it's not an indictment on them at all. It's just that they are not specialists in this field. And all they have to do is ask for help uh, to, to make this occur. Because like you said, Dustin, too, I think for one of many reasons, but the primary reason that the, the, the an organization's culture is not really and genuinely and pervasively addressed is because of fear. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of those, right? And, but I think one of those fears might be that, you know, I, I can't admit that there's something that I don't know that will make me look weak. Another fear would be, well, what if we try this and it doesn't work? Or their fear is of status quo. This is the way we've always done it. 
Yeah. And we, we just need new people. We're hiring the wrong people. How many times have you heard that? And I, personally, I think that's a cop out. Yeah, that's so, an excuse. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's kind of where I, I, I would say that leadership at every level should really begin with today is to do a personal self-assessment and to realize what their competencies are and what their competencies are not within their organization. Yeah. I, you know, you brought up a good point that that excuse I, you hear, it, especially, uh, we heard a lot low unemployment, right? Historic low unemployment. You're just mm -hmm. not going to find the people that you need. Well, maybe, maybe, but there's another side to it. What are they seeing when they enter your company, when they enter your workplace? Uh, is it what is on the sign that as they read as the mission, vision, value statements? Is it what was on their papers when they assigned that agreement to work for you? Or is it something else? And, you know, I, I think that where it gets disconnected and even more so much quicker today than it maybe did in the past is the fact that customers have a real voice and social media allows for them to have that voice. Uh, I've heard you say it before, Clay, you know, you can literally have a campaign to reach a million people within a matter of seconds, whereas that could have took you months and months of, you know, putting it together and figuring out how to pay for it, you know, or, you know, get it distributed and everything like that. But a customer can literally go out there and blow up every single one of your social pages and start a huge fire that can yep. absolutely, we've seen it, take down companies because of some real issue that they experienced. I mean, you don't have to go much further than the air, airlines, right? When customers would get kicked off because they wore some kind of tights that wasn't acceptable to maybe the person that was, they were sitting next to. But that, that tailspin, right? And so how did they handle that situation? How was the culture ready for that kind of um, negative publicity for them? And I think that that just goes back to you have to be ready for it. You cannot sit back and wait. You can't wait for that annual assessment period, right? Where you throw out a survey and you find, Oh yeah, everything is good. Yep. Everything's great. Look, we got excellent marks on our surveys. Well, who did you survey? Did you, right. you know, did you survey your internal people? Did you survey your actual customers or is it people who just volunteered to get a 5% coupon? You know, I mean, right. you know, at the end of the day, let's be real with one another and not, you know, guess at this stuff because it is life or death of your organization. Um, well, it's just, you know, to to that exact point there is the, you know, uh, is the very first barrier that uh, comes between an organization and and uh, modifying or uh, creating a new culture. And um, that's knowing where to start. Mm -hmm. Right. And after, say, we an organization has identified what they want their culture to look like. First of all, we have to get out of you know, the, the, our way or get an obstacle how the way that is what Burns said is this self-deception that uh, most people in situations like this at organizations, their leadership has is that they really think that the perception that others have of them is anywhere near what it really is. And that comes about in a lot of different ways. But, you know, for one, most people are tend to be kind of polite and professional, right? They're not going to you know, tell you that your your hairdo looks like crap when you go, hey, what do you think of my new hairdo or my new hairstyle? They're, we just don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's not necessarily because we're all nice people. It's because, you know, we just don't want to 
get into that conversation or be forced to lie any more than we have to to compliment somebody uh, in in a scenario like that. Either way, the um, the 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 big step in really making the um, the culture transformation happen is something that I've found over the years, and it's not that it's my prescription. It just happens to work out this way every single time is that when there is uh, an organization's culture is in some level of detrimental state is that I have found that there are two key elements that need a lot of work or they are completely missing in the organization. One is an understanding of accountability. What my accountability is to you, what your accountability is to me, what my accountability is to this organization, and what my accountability is to this organization's success, Mm -hmm. right? So understanding that it's not just me that's accountable, but I am accountable. We're all accountable, and we each have to uh, hitch ourselves, so to speak, to that accountability wagon and, and pull in the same direction in order for our company to be successful and for us to continue to have jobs and, you know, fruitful careers. Uh, that's the most foundational element that I see that's that's compromised or jeopardized in organizations that have, you know, flimsy or, like I said a minute ago, detrimental cultures. And then the second one that really brings it, brings the, the, the culture into uh, having uh, a positive momentum is the employee's inability to communicate effectively, but their desire to communicate effectively. Their ability to communicate effectively is generally fairly low. And I don't mean to say that to insult anyone, but by comparison from their ability to their desire, their desire to communicate more effectively is generally extremely high. They want to. They want to be a better communicator and they want other people to communicate much better with them, right? Uh, but they just don't have the skills. Think about it. And mm. I, I encourage all of our you know listeners to think about this. From the minute you remember uh, in your life, whether it was three years of age or five years of age, to present day and all the school that you've been through, whether, you know, K through 12 and even college and graduate school and so on, you're in the military. How many classes or courses or seminars did you attend that focused purely on helping you to learn to communicate properly and strategically and effectively? Yeah. I I don't know that they exist. I know I didn't have any. So, to me, rather than that being an enormous problem, I see that as an enormous opportunity. And when I have gone so far as to bring in these training programs to organizations, first the accountability piece, and then a strategic communication piece, is I see the people sitting in those classrooms within about the first hour, seriously and literally, become different people. Because they find out first of all, that it's okay for them to be them. It's okay for them to be themselves. Uh, But that we all need to learn better ways of expressing ourselves. So that, like Burns said way early in this podcast, is that we need to care what everybody thinks of us. And when we don't, then that, that problem spreads like wildfire, right? You guys inherited that 
what, eight years ago when you went to the Department of Labor. Um, but when, when people learn how to communicate is when they really not just learn, but they begin to believe that they have a voice that is going to be heard and that it's going to be listened to. Okay. So those two pieces there are really the, the, the biggest, uh, approaches, the best approaches rather, uh, to really, um, begin to, uh, get and see that organization's culture turn in the, the desired direction and start moving in, in on a trajectory uh, toward what the leadership wants that culture to be and they want their reputation to be internally and externally. Yeah, you know, and Clay, you're exactly right about communication. Everybody needs to be able to communicate better. And what you have just said is extremely important. The precursor to that is they have to know that they have the freedom and opportunity to communicate. That's the one thing. If they go through some sort of training that helps them be a better communicator, but yet they are still not in an environment that permits that, you haven't accomplished a whole lot. And mm -hmm. and that goes back to you made a statement a while ago about we're not indicting the uh, you know the C-suite. Well, no, we're not indicting them. You know the way that they feel is sort of the accepted way through the decades in terms of an organization that's hierarchical in nature, but things have changed now. The business environment has changed. It can't be that way. So they have to, uh, they have to get rid of their ego. The ego, ego is the enemy, if you will. Mm -hmm. and they have to be, to your point, open to changing themselves as well as the organization. Right. Well, I'll, I'll go a step further. I'll, I'll say maybe it's not an indictment just bringing this up, but if, if I would say this, if you are a leader and you've been exposed and you've been shown ways in which you can fix this, uh, you've been shown ways in which it has worked and you choose not to do that. And especially if you're a publicly traded company, I would, I would have to hold you, you know, responsible Shame for that. You. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, let's just be real about that. You know, there is ways to, to take care of this. The, the one thing that you don't do though, is just shy away from it. You don't do nothing, right? Because if you don't do, I mean, you have to do something. Otherwise, you don't have time today to do nothing. That's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can't pretend it away. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, yeah, it's not necessarily indictment because, it, you know, not everybody has heard this maybe and not, not everybody's gotten it. But once you've heard it and once you've gotten a taste of it and, and you don't do anything in action, uh, that's just like, I, you know, to me, I, I think that's just not, uh, that's not right. And I well, think you, you guys think about it. And, and, uh, back when we first met <clears throat> and you, you guys asked me what I did and, you know, with respect to culture and, uh, building and changing culture and creating a new culture, you're, you know, honestly, uh, not really necessarily in, in disbelief, but, you know, it was, it was kind of a new idea that, you know, you kind of met me with, say that again, what do you do? And by the same token, I had the same reaction to you guys when I heard not just what you were doing, but how you were going about doing it. And it wasn't that I didn't believe that, you know, the, the, uh, burns your philosophy about, uh, leadership and, and, you know, pushing decision-making down to every level, to the lowest and best level that makes sense. 
And, you know, Dustin, with your not just insistence, but, you know, your, your experience that there is a more efficient way to do things, right? So that when I heard that, that there is a leadership model, not just that works, whatever that means, right? But what a leadership model that works is one that people respond positively to. That's what I call a leadership model that works. A business process that works is one that the employees that are using that process gladly embrace and they help to make that process better. They want to, it's part of it. And what I call a culture that works is one that's very natural. And uh, it, it's not like, um, I, I can't say that because I've never been to Facebook, but you know, the image that I think most of us get of uh, Facebook's office space is there are no walls. It's a completely open cavern where everybody works together. Uh, but that's the kind of culture that I believe most organizations fantasize about mm -hmm. is that we all just get along, we enjoy coming to work, and we, we do a great job. We, uh, we encourage each other, we empower each other, and we take care of each other. Okay, well, while that might be pie in the sky to some people or some organizations, the three of us know that that isn't pie in the sky. We know that it can happen even with feeble creatures like human beings, right? Uh, feeble and unpredictable people like human beings. And I think that's something that's important for our listeners to understand is that we're not just talking about this in theory. You know, you yeah. have, Burns, you have accomplished and uh, call it whatever, but all but perfected this leadership model. And in the perfection of it, to me, is demonstrated in your ability to teach it and pass it on and for it to be, uh, be able to be replicated by others. Uh, same thing with uh, what you bring in, Dustin, is that the design process and understanding business design process and why it matters is that it can also be duplicated and replicated very easily, and it can be taught and it can be learned in short form. And the same goes with culture. But it's, and I think this goes right back to the topic that Burns said is that, you know, it, it, all, all this transformational or organizational transformation relies on the organization's culture as much as anything, right? Because if, if your people don't not really just buy in and buy on and get on board and whatever the other, you know, current terms are that we use for, you know, onboarding employees and whatever, if they're not in, if they're not embracing it, they're not engaging it, then it doesn't matter how good the tools are. It doesn't matter how good your leadership is. You can have Buzz Aldrin, you know, you can hire him to come in uh, to a, a toy rocket company. And, you know, who else could you get as a better leader for a toy rocket company than Buzz Aldrin? But because if the people that are selling the toys and making the toys aren't embracing what the company's there for or in the leadership model, then they're not going to embrace the tools no matter how good the tools are. Yeah, that's right. You know, the... To me, the uh, essence of leadership would be maybe maybe we have a podcast where we just we discuss uh, leadership. But the essence of that is that if you're in a position to train people to let individuals use their talent to the maximum uh, ability that they have, 
And you have an organization that even if you leave or other managers leave, the organization continues because the the culture and the and the processes and procedures and the attitude of the employees is st- still there after you leave so that the organization continues to function because it's part of the fabric of the organization. In other words, they don't really need you. That to me is the essence ultimately of leadership. If that organization continues and functions well, even after you go. And maybe that's something we can talk about on another one, Dustin. No, I think it, I think it's a perfect follow-up to this. I mean, you know, as we started the podcast, we talked about what maybe comes first. Is there anything that, that we could point to that, that you need to address first? And really, it's something that it, it lives and breathes together. You know, you, you know you've got to do something to change, right? And hopefully you're one of those organizations that have adopted some tools that will allow you to have the information that you need to tell you that, that you're not sitting back taking those annual surveys and feeling like everything's hunky-dory, right? You, you want to you wanna know and, and, and as best as you can, and, and the, believe me, the tools are out there, okay? The tools yes, are out there are. to know in real time, just like you're looking at your computer now. Uh, maybe you're you know in your car driving as you're listening to this podcast. Don't look down at your phone, but you could if you had a dash, if you had these dashboards to look at your organization in real time to know the accountability piece that Clay pointed out, which is so critical, which is based off of communication. If you're in an organization, and I, you know, I don't care what you do, you know, you could you could be a logistical company, you could be a healthcare company, you could be, a, you know, you could sell fruit. You mm-hmm. communicate with people, right? At the end of the day, you have to communicate with people, namely your customers. And you've got suppliers, you got vendors, you got internal customers. But let's just keep it simple: your external customers, right? So how do I know that salesperson A is responding back to the customers as fast as or as good as salesperson B? Mm-hmm. Is it because I'm his manager and we had a good thoughtful discussion and we looked at his track record and said, yep, your sales are about like they were with a small growth from last year. Great. You did great. Okay. Or is it because I have a tool that shows me in real time on my phone, tablet, computer, desktop, whatever TV on my, on my wall in my office. And it shows me in real time what every single person who communicates in my organization is doing in real time. And not only that, it gives me instantaneous feedback about how satisfied the customers were with whatever product or service we deliver. And if you're not in that category, I suggest that you start inquiring very quickly about how to get into that category. Because if you yeah, don't ask us, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's as simple as coming on the show or asking us a question, send us an email, send us a text, whatever. Talk to us about it. That's why we're having these discussions. That's why we're having these podcasts. And, I'll, you know, we said it before. This is something that government has done. All right. The slow dredging process of government. If you want to go get your permit for this, or if you want to go stand in line at the DMV, you know, all these things that you dread about government, government is doing it. Okay. They have done it. We did it at government. So there's no excuses anymore. And to our earlier point about this isn't maybe an indictment against leaders. Well, if you've heard this podcast, I'd say it is because if you didn't do your due diligence in reaching out and talking to us about this, uh, 
you know, to, to be able to know that it's been done, it's been done in government, and it's been successful, and there's actually tools out there that can make it happen, then shame on you if you don't if you don't pick up the phone if you don't email or text us because I mean that is the reality and of the situation. Be yes, right. that is right. Right. I mean that's just I mean you know it, every day you know I come in contact with some new business or something out there that I've experienced as a customer myself, and it's absolutely frustrating when you see. I mean it's so easy to pick out they're either in it or they're not, and you can easily pick out the winners from the losers. And that alone, if you wanted to hedge your bets on stocks, I mean, if the, if the company was publicly traded, I would say look at that first because that'll tell you if they'll be around in the next five years or not and whether or not your stock's going to go up or down. Because if you're not addressing what your customers think about you today, you're only looking at it from what the feedback is from your people at Water Cooler Talk or what your managers think who aren't even talking to the customers – Boy, you're in for a big surprise. You're in for a diagnosis for your company that you were not expecting. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, I just think that that's um, something that all companies should be aware of, all governments should be aware of, all organizations of any type. You have to be aware of that situation. And uh, the sooner you are, the better off you're going to be. And the longer you wait, well, you won't have to worry about that anymore. So, uh, well, Dustin, that's where, the, you know, this all comes back to and around to, I think that comes across the finish line for this podcast in particular is that uh, everything that we're talking about is good news, mm-hmm. you know, because you guys, what you've done at the Department of Labor and Workforce Development and what I was able to help with and participate in that and other areas uh, on top of it is that leadership has to get behind the transformation. They can't just talk about it. They can't just delegate it. They have to live it. It has to be obvious that they're behind it because ultimately whether a company is failing or succeeding, leadership is driving it. Yeah. Leadership's in the driver's seat, whether the the organization is thriving or dying. And the people have to have to believe that you are embracing it. They have to exactly they don't don't believe that you're really in it it's not going to happen yeah and you and, and the way to show that is to continuously communicate about it and so uh gr- great podcast today guys i think this is adequately covered why culture is so important and how you need to start addressing it uh if you haven't if you're one of those seasonal kind of check-ins with your culture and your organization uh, you need to maybe rewind this podcast and listen to it again if you didn't get it the first time. But I would submit that uh, you know there is hope out there. There is a way to do it, and we would be happy to share with you any of our ideas on that. Uh, feel free to ask us any questions that you want on our website, wdtnn.com. You can go there, and you can listen to all of our episodes on our podcast, uh, as well as leave us a message to be included in future shows. I believe next up we're going to be talking a little bit further in this uh, area of of three, which would be leadership. Leadership will be our next discussion, uh, how important that is in addressing digital transformation, as well as business process engineering and culture change. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back with you soon.